Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and this is episode 69. So it is in honor of Alexander Burmistrov when he played in Russia. So, uh, Tip of the hat to Alexander Bumistrov wearing number 69 out there. Anyhow, we got a nice episode for you. We were graciously invited by Teebs to join the hockey show on 101.5 UMFM. It's on Thursdays at 5.30. So Roddy and myself from the podcast, we both went. And there's two other gentlemen, uh, Skippy and Jason, and then Teebs as well. So there's five of us in total. And uh, so, yeah, this is just the audio from it. So it was really nice that they invited us. We made it episode 69. Um, it's their show. And uh, here's the audio from it. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed. I think it was definitely a lot of fun to do. Get out of our mom's basement and record in a real studio. So lots of fun. We'll probably do that again and maybe use that studio for ourselves in the future too. Anyhow, enjoy the nice episode. Welcome to the Hockey Show here on 101.5 UMFM. It is Canada's only campus-produced hockey show that strictly talks hockey. We are happy to have you with us tonight, folks. And if you're a Jets fan, you probably want to tune in and stay tuned in for the entire hour. As we have our first ever, and happy to have everybody here with us. Uh, everybody showed up except for Murat, but we'll get to him in a second. Um, Murat had a very good reason not to be here, so I'm going to let him go and do whatever he has to do tonight. and talk about that, like I said, in a second. Uh, but happy to have uh, our guest here tonight on the very first uh, Winnipeg Jets Superfan Roundtable. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be lots of information about the Jets as we fade out Jets 1.0 there and we get everybody else going here. Uh, so I'm going to start going around the room. Everybody can introduce themselves. I'll do a little intro as well for everybody. I'm going to start with the man to my immediate left uh, as he has basically been uh, a backbone and like a community pillar in terms of getting the uh, the Bruce Oak uh, Recovery Center uh, up and running. Uh, Rod, thanks for coming down and thanks for being part of this. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Here. No, I yeah. we are proud and honored to have a guy who's who's doing some great work like that uh, on the show for sure. It's it's an out, outstanding uh, endeavor, and we certainly uh, don't mind uh, giving you a little a little promo for all the the hard work you've been doing for it. So awesome, thanks. thanks. Hey, that's awesome. That's it's great. So thanks for joining us, Rod. Uh, next to him, you'll recognize this guy's voice as the man who usually follows me on Thursday nights as we bring in Skippy, who hosts Free Range Radio as one of the super fans. Skippy, how are you? Good, good. Good, good. That's good you to hear. Gloss over me. I'm not. Yeah, you're one. not that important. <laughs> no. That's what you think. Uh, one of the men, um, uh, Rod, who was part of the uh, the Jet Centric podcast, the other gentleman who is here tonight from the Jet Centric podcast. If you haven't checked that out, definitely go check it out. It's all Jets all the time, and it's all awesome, pretty much. Uh, want to give uh, want to give him a shout out a little bit. Here's AJ who uh, who hosts the uh, Jet Centric pod- podcast. Jay, how are or AJ? How are you? Sorry, I was looking at Jay next to you. I'm doing pretty good. I just uh, I want to spend the whole time talking about my 2010 run for school trustee. Oh, hey, my failed run. We so can do that. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about so. about failed political runs. Yeah. Sure, that's no problem. W- it won't ward? be failed next time. Yeah. What ward was that? No, uh, <laughs> I don't think it exists anymore. <laughs> ward three, River East Trans, going to school division. So that's been all amalgamated. It's all been changed. Yep, and, it's okay, all changed. Jerry. 
gerrymandered away, so that's all right then. Uh, and next to him, a um, gentleman who we've had on the show a number of times and certainly glad to have him back. Uh, he is the sports editor for the Manitoban, Jason Paycheck. How are you, Jason? Doing pretty well. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, so, I mean, first off, um, I'm going to sort of sort of run through just a couple of things here. First off, best wishes to Mark Letestu. Um, if you haven't heard, Mark Letestu uh, diagnosed with a virus of the heart um, that will keep him out for at least six months. So best of wishes to Mark Letestu. I know there were a few people in Winnipeg that were like, why Mark when, we, when he got signed? But we're not here to, to rain on, on anybody's parade. So Mark Letestu, I know you don't listen to the show, but if you ever tune in, um, best wishes to you. Uh, let's get into the other best wishes because another gentleman went down the other day, Brian Little, um, who mm-hmm. suffered a horrific on ice accident. Um, Little is now out after doctors found a brain bleed um, after he was, some, um, uh, I guess, admitted to the hospital and he has a perforated eardrum as he's been released from hospital now, thankfully. Um, sounds like he's in good spirits, according to what Blake Wheeler said today, so good for him. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, though, after a concussion already suffered this season and now a severe injury, another head injury to Brian Little, is it time for Brian Little to pull a Crosby and maybe take the rest of the year off? I mean, I would say yes. You know, this is coming from a guy that studies CTE and traumatic brain injuries, and I'm actually reading uh, Boy on Ice, the story of Derek Bugard. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in, in that situation, um, especially with the severity of this injury with perforated eardrum and the brain bleed, like, you want to give yourself as much time as possible to recover and do everything that you can. Like, you're, a year of hockey is not worth you know, years off of your life. No, exactly. Um, so I think definitely he should pull the Crosby and just pull the plug on the year. Or at least extended time. Like, don't think of coming oh, no, back yeah. until, like, before the All-Star break and then reevaluate how you're feeling, you know, and then and uh, yeah. get more medical advice. Like, not thinking about coming back now. Just look, think about reevaluating in... But that's uh, the question, know. though. Like, come back at all, though. Like, le- legitimately, you've suffered two pretty traumatic in- injuries in, in, well, in the span of a month. you don't make that decision now. You put that on the table uh, now. Well, I think you can make that decision now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, that, if that's if that's how you feel now, then yeah, okay. you can. Okay. But but you don't have to. No, I, I don't, no, you I'm know. not saying you have to. But again, if you're if looking at your overall, the impression I got is like, oh, he should do that. He should decide whether he's going to, you know, end it now or, or not. I was like, well, if that's how he feels, sure. But yeah. I was going to say, I think if we get, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get into talking about Buffalo in a little bit. Maybe sure. you do not want to retire and then try and go on long-term injured reserve later. He well, stay yeah. on that as long yeah. as he possibly can. He's got, getting paid right yeah. to, to be injured. So yeah. that's not well, a, he did not report, so it, 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 it helps his case already. Yeah, already <laughs> yeah. He's got a strong case. Anybody else want to jump in? Rod, you want to just anything on that? I, I just think take your, take your time and, and, and assess. Like, um, he's a human being and life life comes first, yeah. right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a look at at where the Jets are this season and where the progression is, but that's that's all secondary to Brian Little, the human being, right? So yeah, for sure. Um, good news out of, out of Jets camp today: Tucker Pullman, but close to being back. Um, we'll see when he's back, but certainly he's back on the ice and skating. Uh, we've seen a number of players come through the, the camp in the last couple of weeks. Carl Dahlstrom and Lucas Spies obviously were added to help the Jets through some rough patches. Um, looking at at the overall state of the defense, which is one of the big topics in Winnipeg. How does everybody feel about where the Jets are and how they've m- managed these these ridiculous number of injuries? There's not much to say. <laughs> like, it's, it's just like it's the most difficult situation to to look at because there are obviously bright spots. Obviously, Josh Morrissey's been an absolute force. Neil Pionk is, 
I was one of the people that was beating the drum that like this was a a good trade, you know, looking at not looking at the players that they are now, but Pionk had tools and he he had an upward trajectory where he could be a very skilled defenseman, especially paired alongside a Josh Morrissey. And defensively, he's looked a lot better coming in, you know, through this year. He's actually one of the few, the defensemen for the Jets that has a positive Corsi rel. So he's actually the Jets are actually doing better possession wise when he's on the ice, which is something that you definitely want, especially a team like the Jets that was so bad according to possession metrics last year. Um, and he's looked really great. I can't say the same for Anthony Boteto, but that's not. I would be like sitting here yelling about Anthony Boteto for a full hour if I could. Um, it's just it's so hard to to see where this team is at. You've got the bright spots, but you've also got like the the question marks of like the Spizas, the Batettos, the Dahlstroms. It's it, it's it's a just a, a huge question mark still. Geppetto's really good at making puppets, though, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well played. I got to say, well played, Rod. That was awesome. I. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's tempering expectation and tempering what, what we're looking at, at at the team. Like a lot of people are chomping at the bit to see to see Hinola up with the team, and and you know that little that little video clip of Hinola and Niku on the yeah. line for the moose. I mean, <laughs> yeah. man, how, how can you not uh, salivate at, at that, right? But it's it's kind of like the the old mantra that, that that that's been prevalent here, right? Like it's 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 talking about heaviness and. And guys that are that are good in the room and and talking about glue and you know what a lot of the fan base is frustrated because we want people that are actually good at hockey yeah. in, in the lineup <laughs> yeah. right so that's that's kind of the frustration on the defensive side we have we have some pieces here you know why why don't we see an OJ in before before a Batetto and you know there's a lot of different pieces that could be put in and it's just it just doesn't really make sense to a lot of people the the deployment and you know picking up a Lucas Pisa like to me is just more of the same old same old like yeah. it, all these borderline NHLers that we're plugging holes with um in, in spite of having some guys that have been in the system that have some some upside and 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 plugging them in the lineup it's kind of counterintuitive to what this team is supposed to be about a draft and develop team right yeah. so yeah, I mean, even at this point, I would be fine instead of Potato to see a Logan Stanley, who I know has been a controversial character, you know, in Jets fandom. But, I mean, if he's part of the system and he's been a pro for, what, three years now or whatever it is, I mean, they talked so highly of him at the fan forum, and Pascal Vincent has spoke very highly of him. Let's see what he could do on that on that third pair. I mean, like it, to be fair, you know, I'm, and I don't want to just you know have a big potato uh, no, no, <laughs> trashing faster or no, something yeah. like that. I'm, although it'd be fun, but I mean, is he going to be really that much worse? I I fail to to see that. No, and yeah. then at least that, like Roddy's saying, you're, you kind of bring up the guys that you draft and develop. Now we got Hainola, we got Niku down there. I mean, you could probably put together a pretty good defensive core just from, and then you mentioned Noje too, of some okay defensemen that could should probably be up over well, those other guys. Well, the, the, the truth so. is, like, why, why, why are we picking up a refrigerator yeah. that's, that's been around the league that has, mm-hmm. hasn't really kept the beer cold? We've got a big refrigerator on, on, the, on the minor league team that we don't know what, what, what type of temperature he can right. keep the beer at. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if we're going to put a big body in there, let's put the big body that's, that's in the system that we drafted in the first round yeah. instead of picking up a borderline NHLer that... It's just taking up space. Now you have to worry about coming, you know, well, keeping on the team. And you and you and AJ refer to it probably the best is that 
they're in the system. And the system between the Moose and the Jets isn't that different. So mm. they already know most of the plays, most of the breakouts, most of what they're doing. Why are we putting in new bodies when, when we already have bodies to, to, to play with? You know, this might have come up before we came on the air, but what if it's a, a coaching uh, problem? And 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 and, 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 I, and I, I know. Uh, I mean, we're rolling the dice there, right? Yeah. And and certainly that could be the issue. Is that you know? You, and again, like you said, Rod, like guys are good in the room. Guy, we want guys in the, that are good in the room that are that have been around that have a little bit of experience. But my answer is, but we already have a guy who has a hundred games of pro experience. How much more experience do you mm-hmm. need to be actually in the lineup? Yeah. yeah, this team has been at a point for the last two years where we've had all of these pieces that should be getting a look. You know, I, I still don't know why Sammy Niku comes in, he gets a single game or like two games here and there and you're sending him back to the Moose. Like, yeah, Hainala, send him down to the Moose, let let him get acclimated to being in the city, playing professionally in a North American market. But you've got guys that have been here for so long. Like Appleton spent the entire year last year after making his NHL debut two years ago, sitting in the minors behind three different guys. The spot has opened up, so let him try and take that spot like give him a chance to to come out here and well and back to rod's point i mean draft and develop is a great is a great mantra to start talking about when, when all the guys you're developing are going to other teams guys like zach redmond guys like nick patan guys like guys who have been in the system and have played in the system and know the system and then all of a sudden i'm gonna go find a place where i can play because you won't play me that's a big red mark to me on on the way that you quote unquote draft and develop yeah well why have an asset right when mm-hmm. you're when you're bringing in and, and icing like guys that are proven to be on the borderline right. of being just adequate to fill a hole in the NHL, yeah. and and picking him up arguably from teams that are lower lower in the standings and and, and teams that aren't as good as us. So yeah. we, we've got these chips. We don't know we don't know what they're going to play like right in in, in 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 any real stretch. Any any like you bring up Nick Patan. Like the numbers when he he played he played on that line with Wheeler, like uh, you know those sh- those small sample sizes that we haven't really seen come to fruition. You, you put a guy like Patan on the fourth line, you know, with a couple of plugs who are borderline NHLers. What are you going to get out of him? And what absolutely nothing. Well, yeah. and, and AJ and I were talking about this before the before the show started. Yeah. Like you're drafting guys based upon their offensive output, especially in the early rounds. Like do- that's what your focus is on. So you're getting these guys in the first, second, third round who you've you've looked at their offensive numbers and you've gone, this guy's going to be an asset to our team. And then you ask them to step in and play a fourth line role, which they're not going to play any offense in that fourth line role. Why are you drafting? Uh, and again, I know we don't have to get into the whole drafting age. I know we had a, a big conversation about it, but why are you spending so much time working on or finding guys that, that can, that can push offense. If you're just going to throw them into a defensive role, yes, they have to learn the defensive side of the game, but then give them a top six role down on the moose and let them go crazy down there. Like, I don't understand that, that, that rush to get them into the lineup only to set them back even further than where they were. Yeah, I was going to say, too, just talking about the Moose a little bit, um, I know sort of the, the, the thing that people always say is, oh, they're just down the hallway. Does anyone else get the sense that we do not use them like they're just down the hallway? Like, I don't follow other teams uh, very closely and what they do with their, their guys that are down the minors or in the press box and moving back and forth, but it sure seems like 
it's pretty much negligible that they're in the same building and quote right. unquote down the hallway. It doesn't really seem to make a difference. The at team all. that well, you would best look at is Toronto. Yeah. Because they have yeah. been done, they've done a great job moving guys up and down between the, especially this year, moving guys up and down between the Marlies and the Maple Leafs, using the window that they have to of waiver exemption, getting guys up and down, testing pieces here and there. You, know, you can, you know, say whatever you want about the way Mike Babcock coaches. Those guys are getting the chances. Like Nick Patan was brought up and he was put on the first line and was actually given a legitimate shot when everyone thought he was out of his he was on his way out of another NHL city. Well, I mean, I'll even take it one step further and say, I mean, don't forget down the hall. Look at what Vegas does with Chicago. And I and I get it. Chicago Wolves are run differently than what the Moose are, and it's a completely different setup. But every guy they bring up can play in the NHL. It's not like they're bringing up guys and you're going, eh, he might be here for a couple games and go back down. No, these guys, Cody Glass is coming up because he dominated the AHL last year and he is staying with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights. I have not seen, and again, we get a couple of guys. We get, you know, Morrissey who spent a year down there and he played really well. Lowry went down there for, you know, half a dozen games. He played really well, came back up. But we don't have any true graduates from the Moose program where they've come in and got and had to work their way through the Moose to get up to the up to the to the to the Jets, where Connor, you go. Connor and Rosovic, I think, would probably be the closest example. Exactly, where, where where they've they've had to go down and, and endure a season of of okay, I got to work my butt off to show off. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we have maybe two guys then, but those guys aren't even given. I mean, Connor's given the top six role, but Rosovic has yet to sort of get that top he, six. He wasn't role really given that top six role. You know, uh, Matthew Perot had to go down for right, a and that's true. Yeah, two, right? so. So it's a weird draft and develop system that we're talking about because we draft well and then we just kind of forget about the other half of it. I just think it's, it's been counterintuitive. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 you, you, we lived under this mantra for years where, where we where we right. we were at the at the bottom of the league and you know we're drafting and developing and you know that's that's what we heard when we were on the cusp uh, to compete and we never acquired anybody at the deadline. We were told we're a draft and develop team. Look at Nashville. Look at Nashville. Look at this model. Look at that model. But in truth, the last especially the last three years we've been the opposite and and guys that are ready to come up are 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 looking for those you know opportunities that aren't right that aren't that aren't because the coaching and the organization sees that there's an opportunity for them to move up the opportunity of an open lineup spot because of something that's that's happened because of an injury on the ice, yeah. And, yeah. and guys are complaining Vaseline and complained last year Roslovic was, was like oh, where, where's my chance I'm ready I want more and and they're sort of like being pushed uh, off to the side a well little. I mean Roslovic even complained about it just a week ago you know yeah. I, I'm a veteran treat me like a veteran like that—that's what he—that's the exact right attitude that he should have at this point. And, and as a small market team, we should we should be pushing our youth even more when they're ready, mm-hmm. because that's the model, right? Yeah. Get them all their young, shore them up for the long term, and use those assets within the first three years of their, their entry level contract right. to get maximum production, so that your payroll is managed. Now we're not managing our payroll that that, no, that way. Not at all. It's, it, it, it is totally opposite of, of of what this this team should be. I think, anyways, it's. It's almost like one hand trying to wash the other hand, but they're not connecting. And then that's that's kind of the mentality we have. We have the scouting. We have we have the the people in place to draft draft these people, but we're not we're not executing on the develop part. Yeah. And, and that, that's we're shocking. Our assets, to me. Right. right, exactly. And that's shocking to me that we we put so much time and effort into into scouting and into drafting these players, and then we just kind of go, "Well, you're on your own." Yeah. yeah. You know, it's uh, one 
another example that people use, like you mentioned the Marlies, but people always cite the old Red Wings. Well, that was at a time where they would like leave their guys down in the minors for like twice as long as, right. as the next team, right, on, on average. And, uh, but now they're saying the league is faster, it's younger, it's more skilled. So it seems like you don't leave guys in the minors for five years. You leave them there for two years, and it's either you're, you're, you're using them or move them out for new assets or something like that. You can't just sit on these guys, like, like Roddy's saying, for such a long time until they're just frustrated. We were talking off air before we started about Lapon, who he went back in the draft. The Jets drafted him. They spoke very highly of him at the fan forum. Now there's spots on a fourth line, right, With uh, and Luoto gets up there. I mean, we mentioned Bork and Letestu. Um, I was going to mention Letestu when he when I found out about his thing. I did Google uh, mustard, and then his. his <laughs> and there are a couple of hits that come up on Google if you, if you Google mustard and myosopitopic or whatever the heck it is. That uh, has. I don't know what it all means, but myocardio, whatever it is, but, yeah. But I mean, how is Lapon not in? Well, first of all, I know because Latestu and Bork ended up on what was the third line to start, which is not where Lapon right. would be. But as a true fourth liner, it's like, why not? Well, like, what are we doing here? He's well, had 400 I, career AHL games. Well, and I said like he he's kind of been, and I hate to say it again in terms of categorizing this, but he's been cormier like. Yeah. Patrice Cormier was an outstanding player in the queue when he got drafted, worked his way through, you know, through the Atlanta system, came to Winnipeg in terms of, be- and then he was sort of just, well, you're going to be the, you're going to be the guy in, on the moose now. Yeah. And it's like, w- wait a minute, he has all these other skills. Like, why aren't we, why aren't we using these guys, what we draft, how we drafted them? Because the 200 hockey men have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like that. Um, so speaking about injuries, a couple more that came out uh, recently. Mason Appleton obviously out for a while still with a broken uh, bone in his foot. No Latestu, obviously no Little. Um, Gabriel Bork now down for four weeks, a lower body injury as well. So there's lots of room on that bottom six right now. Um, we were just talking about bringing guys up. Um, there's still guys out there as well. If we need, if if Maurice is dead set on bringing in veterans, a guy like Jason Pommelville is out there. Obviously, Jesse Pugliarvi could be had for cheap. Um, can who he, are the, can who, he? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think so. I, I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to try and hold people hostage. But I think if you really want to move him, you'll move him. He, he, um, I, I was reading he's uh, firing up out and oh, he is. And but Vesselinen is rising. Vesselinen did that so. as well, and he scored his first AHL goal last week. So mm-hmm. let's not let's not put too much stock in that. It's more of like you can't get him for cheap because oh, the optics are he's right, uh, he's third it, overall pick. I get that, but again, the optics are Patrick Stefan was a first overall pick, and he and he and he's terrible. So let's well, not let's now. Well, Alex, <laughs> it wasn't back then. Alexander Digg was the first overall pick. Guy scored what five hundred hey. points over twelve hundred games. Like Radic I get it, bonk. Right, I get. Like I get. Like there are optics all over the place. Let's be. Let's be honest with each other. I don't think Ken Holland has a problem moving the guy. That's the thing. So, Sergei, but again, saying Sergei, that though, Sergey Bowden was the best first round draft. Sergey yeah. Bowden, there you go, big number three. Um, so asking that question, there's going to be a lot of open spots on that. Obviously, Luoto's come up. Uh, we have Shaw up here right now. Are there guys that should be promoted as of right now? JC Lapon is one. Okay. Anybody else from the Moose? I mean, I don't know if anybody's watched any Moose games. They haven't played well, but forwards only. I know Niku and Hanala yeah. would be obvious promotions, but yeah. um, forwards only. Are there any other guys down there that you would like to see maybe given a shot? I, I mean, on the if it's going to be for a fourth line kind of role because you bump up a couple guys and yep. whatnot with the, the ones that are out. Like you said, most of the guys that are out are all bottom six, so it should be a close to negligible. 
But, uh, I mean, if you could find some room in the top nine for a Veselainen, I would like to see him because I just I really liked Veselainen's game. when I, I watched him in a lot of practices yeah. and uh, not as many games. And in person, just seeing him dice up all the other guys in the prospect like they were, <laughs> like they were nothing. It was amazing. And, I mean, he didn't look so good in, in exhibition and, and training camp and whatnot. But, I mean, that's not who he is. is right. Eight-game yeah. sample size for, you know, six minutes a night either. So I would like to see him if they could find some room in the top nine. But... Uh, uh, it all depends how coach. There's, there's a lot of guys I'd like to see up spot check and, yeah. and um, Harkins. Harkins. Well, after Harkins, yeah, AHL Player of the Week. Like, yeah. why not give him a shot, right? Yeah. I, I noticed this week that uh, his numbers are, are off to a good start in the A. So I was like, yeah, maybe it's time to give him some more ice in NHL on the fourth line and see. I, didn't uh, didn't they play Seuss uh, a bit late, lately? Yeah, Seuss came up. He got all of like six minutes of ice time, but yeah, I mean that's Maurice though. So. <laughs> Still, there, there's. But he's more. not the guy. Like they shouldn't have called him up over those other guys yeah. that you mentioned. He's not like, right. Mm-hmm. Even for that role, well, maybe he is. If you're only going to play a guy six minutes, maybe it's better to give it a guy like him because if anybody you know falls a prospect, he's not one of the top, mm. you know, five forwards on the team Absolutely, right now. Yeah. So he's yeah. not really the future of the Jets. So if you're just looking for a guy and it's like, okay, we're just going to bump up our top three uh, lines, play the more minutes, we just need somebody to fill in. Maybe you don't want to. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but like embarrass a. a better player like a spot yeah. check or something I think of it like in the NBA finals when uh, you know the last minute of the game you're up by 20 points or something and they throw the bench on so they could say they touched the court I always think that that stuff's nonsense it's yeah. embarrassing and so that's what I see that if you're going to play a guy you know Maurice going to do that then maybe Cease is the guy to do it maybe not one of the other ones but it all depends what the coach's plan is for these guys and and sometimes it feels like the plan is driven by the injuries not so much about uh, the, the person personalities or the personnel that we have right it's all sort of um, not the not productive or proactive, but reactive. It's yeah. all reacting to things, right? See, so. I, I, you mentioned again the coach's reaction to this, and I certainly understand he's running the bench. But I always wonder how much input a guy like Kevin Shevelyoff has when they're talking about bringing guys up, because you have to know that he's taken some some direction from upstairs as well. I'm sure Mark Chipman has got his ear at some point saying, like, we have this X amount of dollars invested in this guy. Why isn't he playing with the Jets yet? I, I'm always curious as to how much he has input on what personnel decisions are made by Paul Maurice. So we've talked about the drafting and, yeah. and the personnel, right? So to me, when I take a step back and look at it, that to me signifies that Paul Maurice has 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 a, a, a stranglehold on, on what's happening as far as personnel moves, right? If you're drafting the right people, you have a wealth of talent yeah. in, in the A and Paul Maurice is you, you see the type of guys that are being brought in is, is that is that consistent with the type of people that we're drafting no it, it's not right yeah right so you're looking at the big heavy guys that have experience and 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 all that guys that you could plug in and in, in, in the NHL that have NHL experience that's not that's not the type of players that we're drafting right so it's 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 Paul Maurice and I of the mindset that the relationship is between Chipman and Maurice and Kevin Sheveldayoff is kind of in the middle. To me, that's the way that it, 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 if it's not that way, then it doesn't make sense because your GM is the GM and it should have that ultimate input into 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 what happens on, on the ice, right? Yeah. But yeah. if the coach is wants to have his way and has a relationship with the guy that ultimately is actually paying the bills, then that to me is logically what I think 
is, is happening right now. Yeah, I, bit of a problem. So here, here's the question. They, they've talked about a uh, rift in the locker room. Is there a lift, uh, rift in the in the office that, that maybe nobody's talking about? Well, it seems like it's another one of those situations where there's a disconnect between the head coach and the general manager that the whatever the plan is and whatever the tone or their, the, the style of play that they want from this team, you know, as you alluded to, the, the players that are being brought in are not what we have been looking for. And it's not the way that the league is going. Like you don't need these big, heavy defensemen on your third, your second and third pair that are gonna, you know, you know, gum up the front of the net, but can't make a breakout pass. Like you, you were bringing in guys that are skilled players, that are fast players, a little bit smaller. Some of them do have a bit of grit to their game because that's the way that the Moose have been teaching them. But it feels like there's that disconnect. That you know, Kevin Chevaldeoff has a plan, and Paul Maurice is not executing that plan or there's just like a bit of back and forth between the two of them that we're not really privy to and and let's let's be honest right the style of play and the style of player that they're bringing in it plays to this market like this room excluded right the fan base that's that's what they they, they look for the underdog they look for those grinder types and well i mean that's winnipeg in a, in a nutshell absolutely right mm-hmm. yeah. so if the coach has that mantra and and the owners knowing the market right so you know how does this all make sense because if you're looking at this analytically it doesn't make sense no it mm-hmm. doesn't yeah right? so there's got to be some there's got to be something to that sauce if you know what i'm saying I, I i mean i don't disagree with you i think that there's always been that sort of inferiority complex since ever since you know the mid 80s when the oilers were stomping everybody through the smite division and you go well what, what can we do, right? Like, this has sort of been the, the Winnipeg uh, way. How many Mike Eagles jerseys do you see out there? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a good question. <laughs> it's but, uh, but I look at it and I go, like, we have, I mean, on paper, David, you know, aside, you know, you can probably match up McDavid and and, and Dreisaitl and say, okay, we got a Shifley Wheeler. We can, we can, you know, we can run with the dogs in terms of that getting going. But on paper, we have far more talent than what the Oilers boast right now. Absolutely. And yet the Oilers are, seem to be, I mean, again, they're riding the backs of their two biggest dogs, but are, seem to be having an outstanding season when we, and we're kind of stuck in the mud right now. One thing I noticed on Edmonton is like, oh, there's there's some interesting youth in there. Bear on defense. Hey! Uh, <laughs> like his name, I just found out, oh, Bear, Bear was a late round draft pick. And it's, he's, he's shoring up their defense. And, and it's like, I, I I was thinking it'd be nice, like you guys were saying, it's like, oh, we got all these pieces in, in, in the A that aren't giving them a chance. It's similar to Pittsburgh, when they had the, that horrible start and they changed their coach, and what happened? The new coach comes in from the A, brings all his A players, and the, that culture changed. They got fa- the the bottom six changed the team. I mean, the trade uh, uh, at uh, I forget who it was uh, up front as well. Uh, and and, and that's, they, there's no denying that. But they got faster, they got younger, they got better. That's and, the thing. And, and I was going to allude to that, especially with our depleted decor. Like we can ice, we can ice twelve fours that can put pressure on the puck. Four check heavy, a lot of speed, and and you know what? Combine that with hey, let's let's try these young guys that are offensively skilled, uh, put them back there, and and run with a team that that can create that pressure and that excitement. Look at look at how Pittsburgh won those cups. Well, and I mean Pittsburgh was with, the underdog against two, Nashville. With two legitimate defensemen, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh was the underdog against Nashville when they when they opened that series. People were picking Nashville. Because, oh, look at Nashville. They got all this offensive talent. They're so great. They got Crosby, and it's like. Yeah, but you guys haven't watched the the previous twenty games they played where they outskated everybody. Mm-hmm. Like that's the difference. It's not. It's not about the heavy game. 
I, and I think we've alluded to this fact, and I'm going to be the one to bring it up. We're, we're, <laughs> we all know. Jay, don't be the stick in the mud. Okay. You know, we're five years in. Is it time to move on from Paul Maurice? Is he the issue? Yes. Nope. That's a tough question to answer right before the break, but let's uh, <laughs> let's let's venture into that then. Um, I I'm the fact that he's won as many games as he has here. Congratulations. The fact that he's lost as many games as he has over his career, I'm not really proud of. But I look at it as if you're going to be 500 for the rest of your career, and I know he's not 500 right now. He's just below it. But if you're going to be 500 for the rest of the year, when looking at all the other guys who have won Stanley Cups, and they're around 580, 600, we're not going to win Stanley Cup with them. Simple as that. Yeah. No, and, he, you know, I'm always of the mindset that this team's, you know, succeeded and, and won in spite of Paul Maurice, right? Uh, I, there have been yeah. some serendipitous yeah. things that have happened over the years that have put him in a position yeah, to, sure. yeah, to, to shine, right? Mm-hmm. Injuries. And yeah. and right now he's he's probably going to come out looking like roses because now there's opportunity because he's he, his hand has been forced with the, with the holes in the lineup that, that have been created. The one thing that Paul Maurice never had in his career was a competent goaltender. And he has one in Connor Hellebuck, and the team's still not succeeding. Uh, I would argue I would argue against that. I think that Cam early Cam yeah, Ward was, I was competent. I was just thinking Cam Ward. Was competent, but he didn't really have defense with him. Because, I mean, when Mike Commodore's playing, you know, 20 minutes a night for you, you probably don't have a very good defense either. But in saying that... He also didn't take the Carolina Hurricanes to the Stanley Cup. That was that was uh, um, Laviolette. So we're talking about a guy who was removed on a year where they won, and the coaching change when Laviolette came in, put his systems in, made the difference. And you go, they didn't change any defense. They didn't change any players. They didn't change the goaltender. They didn't change. It was one guy, and all of a sudden that whole. I mean, again, there were some fortunate bounces along the gate along the way. There were some teams that were eliminated that shouldn't have been eliminated. Some upsets happened, but you still got to win games to win the Stanley Cup, it's, and they did. You, you look at the top four in, in most losses for a coach in the NHL, yeah, and it's Al Arbor, Scotty Bowman, and Barry Trotz. Now they all have. Well, Barry Trotz has one, one Stanley Cup, but the other two have multiple Stanley Cups, right? right? Well, the other two have coached what thirty, seventy years together. Like to get get those those losses, right? So, it's perspective. Like you can only use the excuse that he was in Hartford and Carolina for for so long, right? We've been here. We know the all world talent that we have on this team, and we haven't gotten there. And one could argue what he did and his decision making in the playoffs when we when we played against Vegas um, hindered. Mm-hmm. The ceiling and, and and brought it down a lot lower of what what we were capable of, right? Absolutely, so, yeah. Definitely Hendricks perfect. Hendricks in the playoffs at all? I mean, <laughs> he should have been in the press box. Play a player short. You know what? Like, Give just, him a suit and put him as an assistant coach for that series. That's all I would have said on that. So I'm I'm gonna just pipe in on the Paul Maurice thing. I think it's, I mean, coaching. Uh, you have the, your players, everything. You you kind of uh, the way that I look at it is I don't know if that he's the biggest issue. To hindering the team? Well, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, yes. But <laughs> in saying that, though, hold on. In saying that, though, injuries might be. I don't bad. know. Like, if you took a, a group full of thirty-year-old uh, gritty veterans, right, and you made a team out of them, twenty guys or whatever, he might be the best coach in the world for those guys. My issue is he doesn't seem to be the best coach for these ones. And so, to be fair to him, he does have systems. People like him. He's yeah. a good talker. Blah blah blah. It's not like he's not an NHL coach and hasn't won, you know, seven hundred games, right. lost seven hundred. I mean, there's there's a lot 
lot of wisdom there. There's a, there's a lot to take away from it. But with this group, he seems like he does not make adjustments unless there's injuries. And so maybe he's the best coach in the world for a different group. And going forward, cause, uh, just because we're on the coach uh, topic, people always say, if not Maurice, then who? And then people want to shout out, uh, you know, Boudreaux or the, uh, Quinville or something like whoever's available of like the right. notable names. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I don't think, and I've said this before on the podcast, it's it's not about the name. It's interviewing somebody who says, I have a plan for this group. I've seen what mm-hmm. you guys have done. I see what your yeah, talent right. is. And I can optimize this group with this. And I don't care if I know that person's last name or not, or if they won a single game in the NHL. I don't care if they coach high school. Now, the thing is, that will look really, really bad on the organization if they do that. So, unfortunately, it'll likely just be another name. Maybe a Lindy Ruff. I don't know what he's up to, or Paul McLean, or wh- whoever, right? But that's the problem, is it's just going to be the same 200 uh, hockey men recycled. <laughs> So it's not like if we get rid of Maurice, everything is solved, although you do get the bump usually, right? I'm, sort of I mean, the, the, the bump of... Sometimes uh, the it's guy, a catalyst. Right? You need a catalyst, and that and that's the catalyst. And then, like you also said, you need the change in the system. And well, you want the optics to look good, so you look for the change in the system with uh, s- somebody that, that, that you can name you can sell. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the, I mean, the message in the room, though, bring back to your point, AJ, is that Craig Berube last year... They go on to win the Stanley Cup. Barry Trotz comes into Washington, changes the way they play. They go on to win the Stanley Cup. Mike Sullivan goes into Pittsburgh, changes the way they play. They win the Stanley Cup. It's not like the coaches don't have an impact on what's going on on the ice. And that's the thing is that right now we're five years into Maurice and we've gone we've gone up. And then now we're on the, the, the backside of that hill, and we're kind of, kind of coming down now. So we're, 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 We've gone up, but we, we have a wealth of talent that, that, that the Jets have drafted right. those, those, those first five years that, that are coming to four and, and, are, and are making an impact on the team. Yes. We don't have. I agree. You know, there should that be a Atlanta plat- association is, is pretty much non-existent. There should way. be a plateau at some point, and we just went up and straight down. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's a frustrating thing is – is in professional sports, your window is only your window for that amount of time. Right. And have we surpassed that window here? You know, when we when we've lost our top top pairing right hand defenseman yeah. already, yeah. that we I, I think we mismanaged that asset coming into coming into last year too. Like where where do we go from here? Because our talent pool is depleting, and we've got to we've got to address these these. Um, these entry level contracts and these and these draft picks now that we've we've pretty much let them wilt away in 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 the A or in the press box, right? And yep. we're, we're going to get pitanned a lot more, right? So, I, I got a question to come in from the break. Does Bufflin ever play for the Jets again? If this all gets solved, we were going to we're <laughs> going to start with that. Actually, it was the next thing to, to go to after the break. So we'll take about a minute's worth of break here, folks. Got the legal ID and a couple of commercials. We'll come back and we'll discuss Buff um, and a couple other things on the other side of the break here on the Hockey Show on one hundred one point five UMFM. UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1,200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabeg, the Hiawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Hey, want to join the team? Hockey Helps the Homeless comes to Winnipeg on December 5th and 6th. Join the Babbage brothers, Lori Boschman, Trevor Kidd, and many more stars as they hit the ice at Seven Oaks Arena to raise funds and support for Winnipeg's most vulnerable residents. Become a tournament sponsor, support players or teams, or volunteer your time. Go to hhth.com for complete details. Hockey Helps the Homeless is proudly presented by Canada Life and is a registered Canadian charity. 
Where are you boys headed? Canada. We're going over the border to Canada for some French fries and gravy, sir. Poutine. Canada, huh? Almost made it. You're listening to The Hockey Show on 101.5 UMFA. You smell something, rabbit? Fear. We are back here on the Hockey Show on 101.5 UMFM. Uh, proud to have with us uh, Rod and AJ from the Jetcentric podcast. We have Skippy, who hosts Freehand Radio just after me. And we have this, the editor of the sports editor, excuse me, of the Manitoban, Jason Pajak, here on the Jets uh, Super Fan Roundtable. I'm happy to have everybody along. And. Obviously, the biggest news out of uh, out of Jets camp early in the season, and certainly progressing through the season, is about the biggest guy in well, who didn't show up to training camp in Dustin Bufflin. Uh, Dustin Bufflin is currently suspended without pay, has just recovered, is in currently recovering from surgery that apparently the Jets didn't approve, and there's all sorts of issues now with the PA. Um, Skippy, you alluded to it before we went to break. Will we ever see Bufflin again? Um, I'm going to take a stab at that and say probably not. Uh, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of uh, when when I read that on social media today. Is like, yeah, no. And I, it didn't really occur to me because everything was playing out fine. It, it, the, the optics were really nice. Oh, yeah, he's some, we're giving him his time. He's thinking about it. But then, then things changed. And now it's like, oh, uh, things are tense. And it's like... And, and there were maybe some, you know, I've I've heard rumors that Buff wasn't necessarily happy in Winnipeg to begin with, but had some family roots here, and and then you know it wasn't his half brothers on this campus. <laughs> yes, true. So, well, don't out him. <laughs> now everyone's going to go ask him. Well, no, he plays. He, he played last year for the Bison. Yeah. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. From my ignorance. So, uh, <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay, Jay. <laughs> I'm used to it, but you guys are... Yeah. <laughs> Full ignorance all the time. That's Sorry, awesome. carry on. Uh, so I, I, I think that... I don't know if this was planned or set up or is just the eccentricity of, of Buff in general, but I think he might feel it, it is time to move on, and the Jets might feel the same way, even though they don't want it, but... You know, it's like, well, we're we're going to arbitration over not money, but something else. But the arbitration, though, is is going to be is not going to be NHL or slash Jets generated. It's being generated by the PA, and that's and this is where the problem comes in, is because if he signed off, and I think this is established well by a number of media outlets, if he signed off, if the player signed off on his on his medical um, exit. From last year, the, the 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 basically all players have to sign off that they're medically you know at the end of the season they're medically fit they don't need surgery they're all good to go. If he agreed that they didn't need that, the Jets can't just turn around in September and go, well, we made a mistake. Like that's not how it works. From what I have read and heard, it is it seems to me like Bufflin put too much faith in his in the team physicians and also his own body to recover over the summer because he didn't sign the form disputing the claim because there's a 25A, you sign that to dispute what the team physician says about the injury and then you go get your second opinion. So what I've I've heard is that, you know, Buff went through the the correct channels, the team went through the correct channels and then his idea was, I'm going to take the summer off, I'm not going to skate and I'm just going to let my body rest and heal. And then when he gets, he didn't skate all summer. He comes and the first couple skates before the informal skates before training camp, he realized, oh, my ankle is still messed up. 
And that was kind of the time where he started to make the decision or was thinking about retiring because the whole thing comes down to timeline. If he told the Jets that he was thinking of retiring at the end of last season, you don't, you know, you wouldn't but, go but out the, and trade a Jacob Truba. You wouldn't go out right. and make all the moves you did. But the and NHL, the NHL, before we go on, Jay, the yeah. NHL is the one that's going to challenge the PA on this because if if he signed off on that on that physical on that examination form, there's no going back after you put your name on that, mm-hmm. and that means that you're ready to come into training camp the following season, which means that you don't get insurance clearance. Yeah. There is zero insurance for you if you claim an injury at that point. It, it was, it, and that's where the Jets are hung up now because they're going, yeah, but we want him back, but. And we want him healthy, but we're stuck by NHL rules. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's where I think the, dis- the disconnect has happened now because the PA is pushing Bufflin to challenge it. The NHL is pushing the Jets to fight back on it. And it's kind of like bo- both sides kind of like each other. We don't really want to fight. Yeah. And, and the, the whole <laughs> thing, like people are construing that, that there's this disconnect there, that they're going to go to arbitration, that it's that Bufflin and the Jets are at odds with one another. It, to me, seems like it was a mistake by both sides at the end of the year, you know, Bufflin putting way too much faith in just the natural healing process and not going, you know, the injuries that he had, he should have gone for a second opinion. See, and, my, but my concern is when he comes in and says, yeah, I have a broken bone in my foot, that's a new injury now. And if that didn't happen over the summer because you decided to take the entire summer off, okay, fine. If the doctors missed it, that's a bigger concern to me mm-hmm. now because now what were you guys doing on that exam that you missed a broken bone? It also comes down to what you're looking for. But, that, but that's what it comes down to for the final thing is your final physical should be, hey, is your foot sore? No? Okay, then you're good to go. Okay, that's not really an examination. Mm-hmm. We should be doing the full examination properly. Could it be a huge mistake on both sides? Like, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, at the end of the year during the playoffs, you're sucking it up, you're, you're playing. Yes, hurt, exactly. Yeah. Right? And you're, trust, you're trusting it on both sides. You, yeah. know? you trust the player knows what their body what, what their body's capable of and, and what, what they're feeling, and you trust that the team physicians are actually looking, looking for the right mm-hmm. thing, right? And yeah. it's a, it just, it's just, it's just a case of really bad luck that, that this happened. And, right? and it comes down to, you know, the doctors can't look at something unless you tell them what's wrong. Right. If Bufflin thinks that it's an ankle, that it's his ankle that's making his foot hurt and not a broken bone in his foot, he's not going to tell them to look at his foot. He's not going to tell them that it's this other thing. He's going to tell them that it's his ankle that's still bothering him. And they're going to say, oh, looks like there's nothing wrong with it. We're going to have to medically clear you because you're able to play and you're able to skate on it. So it comes down to the doctors didn't look for something, and also Bufflin may not 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 have have, told them to look at something at all. And at the end of the day, Bufflin's really simple dude. He Mm -hmm. just needs a boat, a lake, a rod, and and that's all that he's He's made all the money in the world that he'll ever need, and if he's not having fun and he doesn't feel well, I mean, he doesn't need hockey. No. And I think that's what it comes down to, and I'm not saying that – so when you ask – Skippy about will he ever play again? I think my answer is no, and I think it's injury related. I don't think that I, I know sir he had surgery and I know they, they said surgery went well, but I don't know if Buff is going to be I don't know if Buff wants to go through another injury like that again. That's the question. Are you willing to put your body through that 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 war of eighty two games and say, All right, I'm ready for the playoffs where it gets even worse? When you're already going, I I don't really want to do this anymore. And he didn't have much fun at the end of the year last right. year. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Not that, unless that, did. <laughs> well, no, that's to be fair. That is true, AJ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A couple of games in the playoffs, we had fun. Definitely not the last game, and not mm-hmm. since December to April. That was no fun for no. Especially the stick at the bench, you know, when, yeah. when he, you know, and not being on the first unit PP, yeah. and every, and everything else, yeah. and showing that frustration. He wasn't having fun. And if if you watch this team over, 
you know, since 2011, it's, it's, it's all about fun for Buffalo, right? Yeah. So, and the know. rift in the room really affected him. Like, he, it, 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 a guy like that, who's a very important piece of that room, like, it, if he's not happy there and whatever was going on dragged him down, like, yeah. Well, we, I mean, we had, I mean, again, I mean, I'm not going to out Paul Maurice here, but we had him for the the Bison uh, fundraising dinner last year. He was there talking about, you know, everything, and everybody was asking, you know, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on with Buff when he was injured last year before the playoffs, before everything got there. Was, is he coming back? How close is he? And, he, and, he, and the one thing that Maurice said is, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. We just need him back on the ice because I can't have him in the room anymore. He's just causing way too much trouble back there. And you get the idea that the guy is a total prankster, total, you know, going to have fun, going to joke around. How much does that clash with a guy like Blake Wheeler who had the win or die attitude last year? Like where, at what point does Buff go, all right, maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I just got to take a a locker further down the room now. And exactly Wheeler coming in and saying, I'm going to take my foot off the gas with this, like with my leadership style. and I'm going to bring a little bit calmer and more fun attitude into the room so maybe that to me screams that that's exactly where the loggerheads were yeah and uh, you know it's funny that you say that because i just think of the sarah oleski interview with wheeler where if you read it in between the li- you don't even have to read between the lines it sounds like he torpedoed the room i mean it's interesting to me that a guy who admits that he kind of ruined everything last year that's what it sounds like i mean you could listen to it and and but that's kind of what i read from it and then, um, and so he's a hero now because he's admitted it. He's grown from it. He's our captain. Blah blah blah. Whereas the we're talking about the young players and what the city likes and everything. Yeah. And Liney, it's like people are like this entitled brat, whatever. You know, get him out. Just trade him already. He expects. $19 million, which he's never asked. We're never said no. that. No. I mean, there's very few reports about what he was asking. People like, he thinks he's going to get Austin Matthews money. I'm like, where? Where did you see that reported? N- nowhere. And so people are at, like, Liney's throat, whereas the veteran guys get get a pass. And I think that w- there was something to what you're saying. I'm sort of back to the Wheeler thing. It's It sounded like that was a hard thing. And, and with Buff's personality, it's almost like uh, you want your your leader, like if Wheeler was like at a 10, right? But he's at a 13. And Buff, you want the guy to be chill. So you want him at like a 2, but he's at like a minus 3. And it's almost like too chill, like right. you're saying kind of in the room. The old yin and some, yang some in issues terms of, there. yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, pipe in, though, too, as well about I do think Buff plays again. And I like what you said, Jay, about the the fact that I, I think it's all procedural. Like there there's a CBA. There's an NHLPA. He does have a contract. The team, you know, reports to the NHL. There's so many bodies here that I think it's easy to interpret what's happening here as Buff hates the Jets, Jets hate Buff, right. they never want him back, he never wants to play, he hates, you know, Wheeler, whatever it is, right? Like, you can interpret it all those those ways, but it feels like a lot of the stuff concerning him is procedural. And when you mentioned also, Jay, about the, um, the, the timeline, it sounds like he got talked off before even training camp started. There was a sense that Buff was going to be gone. Like in the, I think it was Dreger's report, um, where they basically talked him out of retirement. I don't think they talked him out of retirement at training camp when he hurt his no, ankle. Yeah. I think they talked him out of retirement in his exit meetings. So he may have had an injury, said, this wasn't fun. I got an injury. I'm retiring. Chevy says, just say anything. Take the summary. Don't say retire. Just don't use the R word, right? And so then he chills, but now all the procedures weren't followed to follow up with an existing injury that he already had. Injury gets worse or not any better, like the way that mm-hmm. maybe he thought he would. And now here we are, right? See, and and that, so it's hard to like pin blame exactly where yeah. it was because Buff's as chill as possible. Him and Chevel Dayoff are very close, so I don't think it's a uh, well. And I think that's why Chevy keeps telling everybody. Like Chevy keeps telling everybody, it's a complicated situation. Like he's not saying 
oh, we're at, we're at loggerheads. We can't get, we can't find an agreement. We're you know we're going to take this to an arbitrator. He's just saying, hey, listen, it's a complicated situation. I think Chevy know, Chevy and Buff obviously know more about what's going on than obviously we do. But at the same time, neither side has come out and, and said and literally pointed a finger at the other and said this is your fault. Yeah. And that's where I think again the pressure is coming from the PA to challenge this. The pressure is coming from the NHL to contest this. And the Jets and, the, and Buff are kind of in the middle going. But we don't want to do that. We just want to find. We just want to be happy. Yeah. The best thing to do is is, you know, take it through the proper legal proceedings and just settle. You know, do what you need to do and say, okay, we've come to an agreement. We're going to do this. That's yeah. the best you can do. Four million dollars instead of eight. Boom. Yeah. Done. And if that's the case, then yeah, I'm okay with that. As long as we get maybe one more year at a buff. If he wants to come back, that would be great. The, your your thing saying that you think he retired or he's done doesn't play for the Jets because of injury. I mean, he's had the surgery. Now he's got all this time to recover. He's probably not going to come back in May or April whenever yeah. he's kind of expected to. So he's not out for this year. Now we're talking about Buff at 34 but, years old, just coming off of surgery, and he's owed $6 million for this next year. I think that might be the deciding thing where it's like, eh, is it really worth it to come back? Right. Not because he's not capable of getting in shape after having a surgery and fixing all this right. stuff and having yeah. a year, and the relationships aren't problematic. So it, uh, I think it's going to be a combination of those things, just time, right? He's 34, $6 million, that's nothing to him. I'm going to go fish instead. At, at the end of the day, though, does Dustin Buff need to come back? No. no. He's no. got a Stanley Cup. But that, but it it's muddies millions. Yeah, it muddies right. things now for the cap and for like all those kind of things, which is probably because the Jets are pretty dumpy this year, which we kind of you know touched over. This probably the best but, year to. But live it doesn't. Buff. But see, that's the thing though is uh, they everybody keeps saying it muddies the waters for the for the Jets this year. I don't see it that way because as of right now, he's not getting paid, which means you have seven million dollars available. Right. If he does get paid X amount of dollars, okay, fine, no big deal. But you're still going to put a, put that money onto LTIR because you can. So why are we even worrying about $7 million when you don't have to? Well, I guess just because he's still under contract for next sure, year. Sure, sure. So whatever and, and you do this yeah. year, if you get a, yeah. a, a, um, a rental or something but that, like but that's that, a, he's got two years. Yeah, that's a summer problem, though. I'm not worried about that right okay. now. I, I want to win this year, not next year. Fair. <laughs> I, well, I think with the LTIR thing, you, the way that it works is you have to have... It, obviously, it has to be a hockey-related injury, and you have to be able to prove that it's a hockey-related injury, but you have to. it has to be at the start of the year, or it has to be at a certain... So you... There's something. There's something in the CBA. But you can't penalize L- the Jets for 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 taking for yeah. for basically saying he didn't show up to. Yeah. Like he, again, I know so he shouldn't show up. To I, camp, I think but. what they would have to do is that like Buff comes back, that cap hit goes back onto the cap, and then they say right. he's done. So they need to keep that that money open, or they just retroactive uh, it to to September first and say, oh, injury retroactive September first LTIR. But do they have the paper trail to say that he was assessed in September? But that's the question, though. So I don't know. I don't know what the what all the, the legal ins and outs of that are. I don't know what the CBA ins and outs of that are. But at the same time, though, I think you have seven million dollars to play with that you're just not touching because you don't know what you didn't know Buff was going to be out. And now that you know that he's out, well, go improve your team. And and now with the little thing too, if his right, money goes yeah. off there, that's five mil cap, five and a half or whatever. It yeah. is. right. So they they got a bunch of cap space freed up, I suppose. But yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe whatever they do, make sure it's solvable after the summer. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you're going to go and acquire, you know, a UFA, sure, go do that if you want. I I, I don't know what the what the next step would be for the Jets, but... I'll probably claim a waiver wire. Uh, <laughs> Another one. <laughs> a waiver wire defenseman. Uh, probably, yeah. For, from, 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 from the 30th ranked team in the NHL. This guy's got experience. He played 12 is. games last year. He's got experience. Yeah. So we, we know the Jets can score. We know there's some problems on defense. How, in your minds, how's the goaltending so far? Because um, I think that as it stands right now solid goaltending we're not having a problem but 
what's the load management for Connor Hellebuck if there's a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah, like Brussois has come down to earth like yep. in, in a very big way, right? So He's yeah. back to Oilers Brussois, <laughs> <laughs> which is not good. No, that's not good um, at all. Well, like Connor Hellebuck is he's here. Like, yeah. He is oh, yeah. he is according to moneypuck.com, he's the fifth best goaltender in the league above of, of saves above or save percentage above expectation. Right. He's saving at like a nine seventy rate, yeah. like above ex, like he's like point right. six eight above expectations or something like there's that. There's no Something's doubt crazy. One, he has won games for us this season so yeah. far. Yeah, no doubt about that. But again, what's what's the number for that you would be looking at in terms of keeping him? If there's a chance at playoffs, I'm not saying that they're going to not make the playoffs, but if they got a shot at the playoffs, what's the number you give Hellebuck in the regular season? Because I don't know if he got tired. I mean, again, we can we can speculate, but. I mean that Vegas series. He didn't. He didn't play the way he did in the first two series. Maybe there was some fatigue in there from playing so often, so many nights, so often in the playoffs. But you want to make sure the guy has still got a little bit left over, a little bit of gas in the tank for he, if there he, is a playoff. He, was run. he horrible though? And they were he wasn't. He, he was, And you, you compare him to Mark Andre Fleury that series too, where right? Was, and Mark Andre Fleury was out of his mind, yeah. and that's the thing. He wasn't. It wasn't like he was. He was super terrible. There were a couple that you go kind of go. I you know he probably wants that one back though. So Mostly puck handling. Yeah. Well, right that's a skill, and that's something Just I wish you'd stop on. doing it. Just <laughs> leave it. Just leave the puck alone. Why are you leaving your net for any reason? Hold on. And does anyone else notice? I'll just throw a little thing. I'll get back to the question. But yeah. When he stops the puck for a defender, does it feel like he's the slowest person in the world to get out of the way? It's like, guys coming to win. Yes. You're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. But the thing, that kills me, the thing that kills me, though, is he stops, and then he just t- takes a look. Like, just stop it and get and go back to your net. Yeah. You don't even need to look look to see who's coming. Yeah. Just stop it and go back to your net. He stops. He looks yeah. around. He takes a quick gander. Oh, there's a guy over there. Okay, here you go. And I'm just like, you wasted like 10 seconds. Just go back to your net I'll say this about the goalies I, I, like Hellebuck has looked amazing yeah Brossois just physically looks amazing I have a man crush on Brossois he's the best <laughs> player on the team by far the Jets are a very ugly team I'm going to say this on the record Brossois is uh, the only saving grace everyone else is average um, especially since Sherratt left the, like, oh, don't the, the ugly meter will be and, and uh, since Sherratt. Perot cut his hair yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why would he do that he was a beauty with the hair he's sure. married he doesn't need it yeah. but um, I, I, don't, I don't have re- really strong opinions about goalies because as we all kind of know goalies are a little bit voodoo I mean hell about sure. to play out his mind now and then just crap the bed, you know, come playoff time or, you know, end of the season just kind of come off. So it feels like if you can get healthy, both your goalies kind of both playing a good number of games going into the playoffs and then ride your your, your main guy, right, as much as you can mm-hmm. and hopefully sweep a team or win five and give him some rest too and, and get his rest that way. So I... I don't have strong opinions. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not sure what the science is on that, too. Like, I don't know if pe- what the analytics are with people really looked at that. I know usually with goalies, people will talk about back-to-back games and how good or bad that is. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's a bit of evidence there to say definitely don't do it. Well, if but, you ask a goalie, they're always like, play me more. Yeah, like, if, me I'm more. On a, if I'm on a streak, play me more. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, well, there's got to be some sort of happy medium here. But yeah. the, the numbers kind of, it's goaltenders who play 60 games or more I don't think any a goaltender hasn't played 60 games or more and won the Stanley Cup in like 20 to 30 years I think the last person to do it was Martin Brodeur um, on like probably was, his first Stanley Cup yeah. but like uh, that's kind of the with the type of load management that's what you're looking at is that you want them to play 60 games or less right so every, um, every three games on and one game off yeah right? exactly that shouldn't be that hard to achieve that right? and then split no, back to back you would think yeah yeah, and, yeah, and, and manage your back to backs too Shouldn't be that hard. So, 
But, I mean, we went to the Finland trip. I always bring this one up. I mean, they travel all the way across the world, and then they play in back, uh, Hellebuck in back-to-back games. Right. In Finland. Yeah. Uh, and then they got another week off. It's like, wh- why are we bringing Comrie here? Why are we Brussois? Like, what, what are we doing here? So as long as we learn from the back-to-backs, it seems like the best thing to manage. And then, like you say, probably don't go more than three or four games playing the same guy. Yeah. Right? And, and if we can kind of do it throughout the season, everyone stays healthy. Fingers crossed. Um, Knock on something. Um, Yeah, then I think we're we're good. I don't know. So so we're a fifth of the way through. We got about two minutes left in the show. Fifth of the way through the season. I thought you meant a fifth of the way through the show. No, no. How long is this? We're going all night. All night. Um, Fifth of the way through the season. um, We're hovering around 500 right now, 8-7-1. What's the the consensus feeling on where this team finishes? I've been saying it all year. The way the team looks now... It's one of those voodoo seasons where they're either going to miss the playoffs or win the Stanley Cup. There's no in between. <laughs> they're not making the playoffs and going out in the second round. They're either going to miss the playoffs All right. by a country mile or they're going to win the Stanley Cup. So, Jay, you're in the all or nothing camp. <laughs> Realistically, they're a, cusp, they're a cusp team, like the second okay. wild card. Yeah. I think that's, that's where they slot in and that's, that's, where gonna, that's where they are right now and, and that's where they're going to stay. Can they, make, can they make some waves in the playoffs? You know, the way the NHL is, yeah. Anything can happen. Exactly, you just got to make the dance, right? I think they're uh, they're a ninth place team. They don't make it, but that's assuming that everything stays exactly the way it is, and we know that that's not going to happen. No. Something's going to change, if not with the Jets, with the teams around them, yeah, uh, too. They, so, but well, I, I mean, like I think Col- Colorado's injuries alone are causing a big wave. Yeah. So the big question is, do they turn into the again La Flames <laughs> in the next few years? That's a tough question. Yeah. That might be that might be the next episode. <laughs> That's a question. I, I I had them as a wild card when I was thinking that Buff was coming back. So they're definitely in my mind. They're a nine ten kind of thing. I mean, obviously the the difference between a seven to eleven can be two or three points. So yeah, I could kind of swing. Maybe they can uh, get into the playoffs, but I think it's negligible. I think when I say nine, I mean they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, so, but yeah. I was kind of saying that range though, between 7 and 11. There's yeah. Sometimes there's only a couple points, I but I mean where they uh, stack up is probably a 9-10, and uh, the teams around them, like you mentioned Colorado, but I, like St. Louis is going to be better than them, Nashville is, Colorado I think still will, and uh, I'm a big Dallas supporter. I think Dallas passed them too, so uh, that's that's just in the Central, never mind any Pacific teams, right? So. Well, if Pacific teams can ever figure their figure out how to play hockey, well, three of them are going to get in. For <laughs> three sure. of them are getting yeah. in, but so. yeah, so we'll see what happens with with, uh, with where the Jets end up. I don't disagree. I think they're going to be a bubble team as well in terms of being on that uh, the wild card cusp. And I think it, you know, it'll be one of those things where they're 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 there till the end of the season. It'll just come down to do you. Do you have enough points at the end when, when the when the race is over? So, so my show's next, so I can ask this next question. And talk sure, a little yeah, bit into you it. You certainly can. It's, it's just I, I read that article on TSN about the heart player who has the most heart in every Canadian team, and and the Jets were blank because <laughs> they're still defining who they are, and so they didn't list a player that was the heart of the Jets, and I think both Kachucks were, were the hearts of their teams in Calgary, and and and, uh, and, and heart was, was many different factors, so it was just like, who do you think, and I read that article and I thought, no, I thought, I thought so far this season it's been Morrissey. Yep. For me. He's keeping that team together. Yeah. I, so all, who do you think is the heart at, at this point of the season? Nick Patan. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming back. Uh, get- you know what? Uh, let's go with Hellbuck. I mean, yeah. that guy's like everybody, when, when Pavlik was, uh, you know, 
keeping us in the game, making timely saves back then. It was like, oh, how important that is, and we hear uh, so much. I mean, this guy's stealing games yep. for us, and he's getting very little praise for it. And, sure. and the stats that you mentioned, Jay, I yeah. mean, like, he's out of his mind. And I, not that he talks a lot or he's a real leader or anything like that, but, I mean, if he's stealing games in your, what did they, you say, 8-7-1? 8-7-1 right now, yeah. I mean, they don't deserve to be 8-7-1 without him. Correct. So yep. that's, uh, that's pretty hearty of, uh, of Hellebuck, so. Anybody else? Jumping in? Hard? I'm gonna. I'll. I'll drop a name. I think that you don't get to be eight seven one either without Nikolai Ehlers right now. So, um, I'd say for everybody who who wanted him traded before the season starts, and now he's leading the league in every or leading the team in any in every important statistical category. Uh, don't trade him. Um, maybe realize that he's actually a better player than you thought he was. Yeah. He's not Burmese Drive two point <laughs> Thankfully, he is not for bad memories. Bad memories. Don't bring up that name again. Uh, but that is, we're out of time. We're now creeping into Skippy Show here, so into free range radios. But I want to thank uh, AJ and Rod. A- where can they find you if, if they're looking for you, AJ? Uh, Jet Centric Podcast. Uh, we're just on the Twitter. I think Daniel's running the Facebook and never does anything on there. Um, <laughs> but uh, we record periodically. Yeah. Um, we try. We haven't done guests for a while. Roddy's got a couple that have still been sitting in his pocket for the last uh, year, which uh, well, I won't. I won't. Uh, uh, to okay. say right now, but uh, he's got to help. So do I, the man. It's like life's busy, but yeah, we have guests. Um, and then if you, you anywhere you listen to podcasts, I mean, you'll find us on Apple and Spotify. Spotify you guys are on everything. All that stuff, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's on everything. So right uh, on. Uh, hold on, I want to read one quote though here. Okay, Just okay, yeah, go, go, yeah, make it quick. You know, Skippy took a bit of time. We talked about Niku and the defense. This is uh, from November eleventh, uh, two thousand eighteen. So do, not quite a year ago. Um, this is uh, Scott Billick tweeted out Paul Maurice on why Joe Morrow will play over Sammy Niku on Sunday. I have oh, Joe Morrow no. ahead of him. It's about winning. So that's one year ago. So I don't think with the Sammy <laughs> Niku thing, people that are, are high on Sammy You're Niku. You mean, end on a you, high mean, note. you mean Joe Morrow who got the PTO and then cut from the Rangers? Is that Joe Morrow? Saying, <laughs> I don't think Niku is valued as high by the coach as he is by the um, the people that are into analytics and a lot of the fans that see the, the value there. So um, we, we talked about Maurice and it's stuff like that that is going to drive a lot of people crazy. That That sort of attitude and yeah I, yeah so maybe it's just lip service he's just no, saying I, that because it's for the veteran but it's the wrong call to to not play niku so uh rod i mean obviously you're on the on the podcast as well in terms of doing all that stuff uh but again if people are looking to to, to get, jump on board and give you some help uh getting the the funds raised for the the recovery center the bruce oak recovery center where can people go for that yeah they can they can go to the bruce oak recovery center uh, a website uh, there's a donation page there um i'm always i'm always raising funds and um we we just had our annual baby gaby bowl uh, yeah last uh, well in september we raised over four three hundred dollars which is huge yeah um mostly I, i'm just here for the conversation show I'm roddy bats on uh, on twitter um open open to, to to discussing everything everything when it comes to uh, changing the way uh we we look at addiction and, and addictions treatment you know it's a it's a cause that's that's near to my heart and uh, i'll stand stand uh, with the oaks uh, every step of the way from Maryland, and so thanks for all your support. Like, oh, uh, no problem, man. Like, we are, we are having a Movember event. Okay, so Movember event on the 29th Okay, at the Saddlery, and it's going to be a karaoke night. So ten ten dollars a ticket, and we're going to have live karaoke there. And uh, right on, it's going to be fun. Okay, clear your calendars, folks. 29th, you're now busy. There you go, uh, Jay Manitoban. Uh, lots of work going on there. You yep. just published a piece on how you can fix the Bison's penalty kill, which I read and had a good chuckle over. Yep. Uh, what else is coming up on the Manitoban? Uh, I'm going to be talking to a few members of U Manitoba Esports because okay. Rec Services has added intramural FIFA 20. 
uh, to the list of intramural sports you can get into at the U of M. How so that's that, coming up. How do you have esports as an intramural sport? Like, doesn't that actually mean you have to do something to? That is what I'm going to find out. <laughs> All right, then. that's awesome. And Skippy, I'll give you a chance. Preview your show as we get out of here right away. I got some new music from, oh, I'm, I'm trying to share a little bit from the new Kanye. I'll talk about that. Oh. And, uh, oh some old music from The Cure. Uh, hey, it's an hour and a half of free range. Absolutely. Mm. That is awesome. We're going to get out of here right away. Uh, gentlemen, we can't thank you enough. Would you do it again? You want to come back for, for the for the next round table? Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. Awesome. Yeah, we would definitely love to have you back. I will, I, will gl- I will clear spots for you guys anytime you want in terms of getting stuff on. Uh, I will definitely be promoting the uh, 29th for you there, Rod. We'll, we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks as well on the show, so we'll make sure that gets out as well so you get some uh, additional push there. Obviously, the podcast as well. Check that out, folks. It's awesome. And read Jay in the Manitoban whenever you can. With that, Hawk Show is done here for another night. Uh, glad to have you along, everybody. Thank you, Skippy, for letting us run a little bit overtime. Uh, that's awesome as well. Uh, stay tuned for his show, Free Range Radio, coming up right away here on 101.5 UMFM. And that's it for the show. One last thing should be noted. Roddy picked Jump by Van Halen to be the lead-in and lead-out song. So just make it known. That was Roddy's idea. All right. Till next time. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>